Welcome to the Taking the Leaps podcast with me, your host, fellow leaper and coach, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast inspires you to take bold leaps of faith, but you won't be doing it alone. As we journey together through the fishermen, shepherds, builder, tent maker, and trailblazer leaps, my hope is that you will see how God is with you every step of the way and begin to confidently trust him as he leads you into your next leap. It's time to live a leaping lifestyle. You ready? Let's go. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the invite. This is very exciting, and uh, I, I appreciate. Uh, don't know how you found out about it, uh, the the topic, but uh, and the book. But thank you so much. Yes, you know what? It's funny because I think that when God orchestrates something, that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did you even find out? How did you even come across? But when I saw the book, I'm like, this is going to be so valuable ah, to good. the listeners and understanding just the gifts that they have and. Um, all of those things. So I don't want to give too much away early. Yeah. So let's start off with, uh, we had some great conversation before. And so I know the rest of it's going to be good. I, but I want to start off by just asking for you to tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So I, I'm a Minnesotan engineer by trade, uh, have lived in Europe and various places around, worked all over the country in engineering. But really my, my primary, since I got saved at a Billy Graham crusade in 1973, uh, that, that movie, I was like one of those, one of those hippies, oh, wow. you know, one of those hippie people <laughs> getting saved during the Jesus movement. But, but since then, um, God has always been my, my Abba, my father. Um, I just have fallen in love with the Trinity and I always found myself thinking deeply about, I'm, I'm that guy, you know, I wrote a 1400 page textbook. So I'm that guy, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to get in a long conversation with me, but anyway, so um, yeah. So, so I've just had various projects and, and one of the things that just deeply troubled me, uh, especially in my spiritual gifting area um, is just the brokenness of people. And so a number of years ago, I began uh, just praying with people and, figuring out how to do it and running into all the people who do that kind of thing. And uh, I and a team eventually started something called Freedom Prayer, which is now uh, there's a, a book called Freedom Tools and uh, published by Chosen. And, and it's in 14 countries and 200 churches. And, and uh, I, I'm like the honorary president of it. They just say, no, we got this. No, we're good. If we need you, we'll call you. <laughs> I'm like, good. You know, thank you. You're perfect. And um, so I, I began to ask myself, well, um, if I'm free, what am I free unto? In other words, now the things that have really hindered me, the things that always seem to mess me up, that things that made me guilty, uh, the feeling I couldn't stand before God, all of those things have really been, been dealt with. I feel free, but what should I do? You know, it's like the, the team is in the locker room and the locker door is closed. You know, you can't, you can't get out to the field. And so I thought to myself, well, um, Paul said really directly uh, how that works. And, and it's not what is my destiny. He's already said, you know, in, in uh, Ephesians and maybe Colossians, you're going to be with me. You're going to be like me and you're going to be sharing everything I have. So your destiny is fixed. Don't worry about your destiny. Ask me about purpose. And that is the, the, the point of the book is 
how do I use the gifting that I have? And I, I have a different definition probably than a lot of people do of gifting. Uh, how do I use that and walk into the purposes of, of Jesus in connection with the Father and, and all that? And, and Paul, yeah. in, in four short, short verses, which he amplified in other places, laid it out. He, he said, and I'll, I'll finish with this, but he said um, kind of to the Corinthians, you idiots, you know, it's kind of in 1 Corinthians 12. He goes, goes you foolish Corinthians. He said, look, um, um, I don't want you to, they, they ask him about tongues and prophecy and bad church services and discord and confusion. And right. I thought, wait, that sounds like some, churches I've been in. But anyway, um, and and he said, look, concerning the things of the spirit, and I'll use the, the real actual Greek translation, concerning things of the spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he said, there is an analysis you can do of charisma gifts and one Holy Spirit. There is an analysis you can do of the ministry of and how ministry works and one Jesus, who's, who's in charge of that. There's an analysis you can do of the outcomes of the energizing, the, the word is energema, of, of, of the energizings of the Father, causing all things to work together for good if you love him and you're called according to his purpose. And there's one Father. And what is his purpose? What, what is the purpose you're called to? The purpose you're called to is to do the works Jesus has called you to do using your gifting. Ephesians 2.10 has been a life verse for me. I, I, in the book, I talk about learning it on a burning airplane, thinking I might die. Um, but um, he said, we are his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that the Father has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Our only job is to walk in those works. It's like, what's your purpose? Walk in those works. How do you do that? connect with the Trinity. That doesn't sound hard. It's not hard. If it was hard, we couldn't do it. You know, it's, it's not hard. Right. And so, uh, and so that's, that's the, that's the point of the book is to just kind of, kind of take away the pressure to figure out my purpose and to why was I created? Why am I on this earth? And, and it, it sounds popular to say that, why are you on this earth? You know, you need to know an answer to that. And, and I have disarmed so many preachers by saying, my purpose is to be so connected with the Trinity that I know the works Jesus has for me. And I go from work to work to work to work. And all of those parables make sense then. If you're faithful in little, I'll give you much. If you're faithful in that which belongs to another, I'll give you your own. If you're faithful with money, I'll give you spiritual authority. We start small and we start hidden. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of our growth and he gives us things to do. And if we, if we mess up, there's, there's a huge knucklehead factor built in there. <laughs> if there wasn't, we'd all be in trouble. I would be. Um, so mistakes aren't the problem. As the parables say, not doing anything is the problem. The ones who hid their gifts were the problem. Yeah. Not making mistakes. Wow. Mistakes are expected. Uh, yeah. We learn from mistakes. They're, they're just as valuable as doing everything right. In fact, more valuable. Wow, Andy, you have already just came out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta unplug myself so, here. There, there's so much 
in what you just said. And typically I'm like, what leap are we going to talk about? But I feel like I want to just flow with the Holy Spirit on this conversation because, um, you know, there's so much that hinders people from even taking the leaps. And if we don't begin to deal with the belief system that we have about a purpose, and even the, the audience has heard me say, like, we essentially all have the same purpose. Right. And I say, you know, our purpose is to bring people into the, the body of Christ. But I love how you defined it. I really, really do. Like, we should be going from work to work to work. But this question of what is my purpose, when, when we're stuck there, then we don't go from work to work sure. to work. We don't go and minister the goodness of Jesus to other people because we're we're um, we're crippled by our own lack of understanding of the simplicity yeah. of the gospel. Absolutely. You know, that's really good. And I feel like what you just said just really opened up, just gave so much clarity to that question to help people as they are feeling led to take these different leaps. So I want to backtrack just a smidgen because I want people to know a little bit about your journey and some of your story. Yeah. So um, when you asked about the different kinds of leaps and, and what leap was maybe the most important to me, um, I think it was a shepherd leap. And so I'd been a Christian um, and we were in Mississippi. I was just getting out of the military at that time and doing research and on water stuff. And um, we decided just we were going to move to Nashville. No job, no house, no friends. But uh, there was a church there that just stirred our hearts. Um, it, it was uh, called Belmont Church. It, it, it was one of the earliest churches in the charismatic uh, movement. Uh, Amy Grant grew up there. Michael W. Smith grew up there. A lot of Christian music industries began there. And, and I just loved it. And I said, you know what? We're just going to move because I just, I just need to be in a place where I can grow. And so uh, old geographic location, new geographic location. And when I did that, everything began to happen. I, I could see that it's kind of like a car that needs shifting. I could see in Mississippi, a lot of good things happen. We work with, with the poor there and, and I had a radio show and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but it was like a car that needed shifting and the engine was just whining, you know, you got to shift, man, you'll go faster, but it'll be less work. And so, uh, so Nashville was our shift. And so tell me about how did you know Nashville was where you were supposed to go? Um, aside from like the church, what were the confirmations? I, I think so. This church became a focus for us. And now it's kind of cheating, but Susan's parents lived in Nashville and we had one child and one on the way. So free babysitting. Come on. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You know? <laughs> um, and so we moved. Uh, and so we said, OK, let's let's go. And um, we stumbled on a house that that was just perfect for us. I don't know how that happened, but, but we did. And then started going to Belmont church. It became a, a, an elder there, a young elder, which is an oxymoron, but I was a moron to say yes <laughs> at 33 <laughs> to being an elder. Um, and um, yeah, so, so we moved. I, I knew that God, if, if I took care of his business, he would take care of my business. You know, he calls, he causes all things to work together for good if we love him and are called according to his purpose. And, and I said, okay, I think, I think the next step in my purpose, I don't know for sure, but, but 
God looks at my heart, not at the excellence of my decisions. And, and my heart was, God, I want you. I want you more than anything else. And I want to do what you've called me to do more than anything else. And um, I tried to make a, you know smart decisions about moving and stuff like that. But really, um, it was all the, the stories I could tell about my career where the father just said, you look after my business, I'll look after your business. Mm. I just crazy stories. He's yeah. definitely told me that more than one time in, in my journey. When you yeah. when you actually moved, were you um, an entrepreneur at the time? Because you're, you're an entrepreneur now. So were you an entrepreneur at the time? Were you still kind of in the military? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I got out of the military and I um, got a job uh, working, really doing my military job in Mississippi, I was I was a researcher in kind of river engineering and, and stormwater and flooding and kind of that whole thing. And I love that I, I have a two engineer or an engine two engineering degrees and a business degree. So I kind of love to combine those things. And um, then we moved to Nashville, and I, I got a job in a in a small company that was just starting to grow, and and it just uh, kind of that that area where, you know, we used to think stormwater, water runs downhill, paydays on Friday, that's all you need to know. And, and uh, it, it suddenly got very, very complicated. And somehow through God's mercy, I was at the forefront of that. And EPA called me and I traveled with EPA all over the country, putting on seminars and people said, whoa, EPA likes him and EPA is regulating us now. We like him too. So um, I worked in every state, several countries, gave keynote speeches all over the world. And um, just I always woke up and pinched myself and said, God, really? But my love was always uh, several things. Um, the first one was uh, so I'm the kind of person who sees a problem and goes, well, I can fix that. You know, I'm like, fix it, dad. Oh, yeah, that's my and, husband. You know, OK, <laughs> well, I, I apologize for, for every, everywhere. Um it's like my wife has to start a conversation. Don't fix me. Just listen. Yes, me too. <laughs> like, yes. I, I just need you to listen. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm connecting with many people now. Um, and so um, I, I saw a billboard um, at the uh, New Jersey side of the Lincoln Tunnel saying it had little cartoonish wise men in it and it said, you know, it's a myth. This season celebrate reason, the American Atheist Society. And I just got mad. And so um, I was a kind of an astronomer guy and uh, geeky in so many ways. And so I ended up uh, giving a giving a talk on why the Magi story was absolutely true. And every fact about it was true. Every word in scripture was true, how it how it happened. And that has like 120,000 views on YouTube now. What? So, and, and the comments are, thank you. You solved it for us. Thank you. You helped our church. You know, those kind of things where it, it seemed like such a make-believe cartoon story. And when you can prove it happened from the way the stars are, the way the skies are, the way the, the, the cultures were back then, you could, you could actually give the absolute date they saw it, the date that they uh, came to Bethlehem. You could date it from the stars. I mean, it was wow. crazy. And then, and then history historians began changing when they thought Jesus was born, and it, it backed me up. 
So it was I'm like I have to find that and put it in the show notes, y'all, because I know you want to <laughs> you want to listen to it just as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. And then I and then my heart was was just as an elder, people would come to me and I just didn't know what to do. It's like you should talk to somebody else, you know. And um, so I began to say, God, oh God, you know, you've told us confess your sins to one another, but you haven't really told us what to do when somebody does that to you. And so there's like 27 verses about one another, bear one another's burdens, things like that. Um, and so I began to develop an approach and I, and I became friends with all the inner healing people kind of around the country. And, and I, I wanted something that was biblical, um, practical, spirit led and God connecting. And I wanted that for this gifting book too. And so uh, we developed Freedom Prayer, and it's it's been just wonderful. Uh, uh, Presbyterian churches use it. Pentecostals use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lutherans use it. Baptists use it. Churches of Christ uh, use it and do trainings around the country. Um, international churches use it. Uh, New England uh, uses it. I did a conference up there. 20 churches up in New England are using it. And so it, it became just a really a great way for people even just sitting over coffee to help each other. Yeah. And then with this, with this latest book, it was <clears throat> like I said at the beginning, okay, I, I, I feel like I know how to get healed and I'm, I'm being healed. Um, but um, what do I do? How do I know my purpose? And um, I looked around and spiritual gifts was kind of a, not really a joke across the church, but certainly just really confusing. I don't know if you've thought that, but yeah. you know, at the two ends, uh, if you think of cessationists at one end and and uh, Pentecost at the other, and evangelicals in the middle, kind of all kinds of churches, there's probably twenty different definitions of spiritual gifts, and I didn't find any of them helpful. Yeah. And I, I pulled 200 people. I was just looking that up the other day. As a matter of fact, so it's funny you say that. And I'm like, someone mentioned a, a spirit. I was like, that's a spiritual gift. Like, so I agree. And, and it's so important for us to know that, to understand how God has created us. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and if, if I think that tongues is my spiritual gift and I read that a spiritual gift is your function in the body, it's your motivation. It's the lens you look through, you go, I'm not a tongues in the body. This is nuts. This this is uh, no, I'm not, uh, you know, a word of a word of knowledge. I'm not a word of knowledge in the body. That's a one-time thing that where the Holy spirit gives me some understanding I didn't have to help, but that's not my gift. That's just something the Holy spirit does. And you realize that much of the church has taken the list in first Corinthians 12 tongues, prophecy, interpretation of those those nine things and called them spiritual gifts but if you look closely paul never does hey there family i hope you're enjoying this three-part series so far so i just wanted to pause and remind you to click the link in the show notes that will take you to my uversion bible plan called 400 years of silent nights it's only three days long so there's still plenty of time for you to dive in but each day is short enough that if you wanted to read it all at once you can I just want to help you enter the holiday season with a posture of joy and thankfulness, no matter what your situation may look like. So click the link in the show notes and be sure to download the complimentary resource available at the end of the devotional. 
now let's hop back in to the episode which is which rocks rocks people's world yeah um <laughs> uh yes i yeah you, uh, you can see eyes going up all over the country right now but um <clears throat> paul basically says uh, he says look there's varieties of charisma gifts there's varieties of diaconia ministries and jesus there's varieties of energy missing the father and there's varieties of manifestations of the spirit phaneroses manifestations of the spirit and here's the list and then he gives the list of nine things now because he's talking about gifting there at the beginning people assume that those are the gifts but when he when he and peter both actually talk about charisma gifts in detail and give a list it is not that list in 1 Corinthians 12. And in fact, if you look carefully, now Paul uses the gift charisma 17 times and he uses it for all kinds of things. And a mistake people make is, well, he called celibacy a gift, so that must be a gift of the spirit. So I'm a celibate in the body. And you go, no, no, it context, 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 right? And so, <clears throat> uh, so when you look at the context and the context is 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's four categories. And you chase those down. He explains each one of the four in detail. He explains spiritual gifts in Romans 12 in detail, how it works. He explains uh, ministries, diaconic ministries in Ephesians 4. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, teaching people how to minister. He explains how it works in Ephesians 4 beautifully. The manifestations of the Spirit, he explains beautifully in, in 1 Corinthians 12, right there where we're talking. Um, and he goes on in, in 13 and 14 to talk about, you know, the manifestations are, are a balance of power, love, and a sound mind. And don't get out of balance or you're going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Father is kind of everywhere. You know, kind of like he's secret, but he's everywhere. But But once you see... You know, there's 20 verses about what the Father is doing, causing all things to work together for good. No temptations overtaking us. Not kind of the Father is faithful and won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. And so I've got 30 verses about what the Father does in the book, in the section on the Father. And when you get all that, you say, okay, I need to know about spiritual gifts first. Once I know that, then I need to know how ministry works. And, and those things in Ephesians 4 are never called charisma gifts, never once. But we've just lumped them into the pile with everything else. And they're, they're called gifts, but it's, a, it's, not a, it's not charisma. It's called an epi, epi, epigenetic genitive, which is Jesus gave of himself. In other words, Jesus measured himself out in Ephesians 4 and we each work within that measure. Mm-hmm. So we have, a, we have a spiritual gift. Then in the body, and, and the body is in the world, not just in the church. Uh, then Jesus said, I have works for you to do, Ephesians 2.10. I have works for you to do. And I'm going to measure out some of me, some of my ability, Christ in me, the hope of glory. In him we live and move and have our being. So Christ in me, the Father in me, but Christ in me leads me into the works he has prepared for me. And I connect with Christ and it becomes easy. It becomes obvious. It, it, it's, you just go, wow, this is like, 
Um, and then the father says, because you now are connected with my son and you and he are partnering in a lifestyle of working with him, of ministering with him, not for him. We don't do things for God. We do things with God. Um, the huge mistake. He never sends anybody to Africa. He says, I'm going to Africa. Want to come? You yes, know, that's so that, good. That's, I talked about that in my book, so I, I love that you said. Oh that. wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we're like we're like this. I'm telling I, you, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, and, and so then, uh, so then, when I when I know my my charisma gift, one one of seven, and I'll talk about that more about it in just a second. When I know my my gift, um, and I'm connected with Jesus, then everything. Then the father works with me, and, and I'm like, you know, those those uh, ramps at the airport where they're, they're those little moving sidewalk things. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> those people aren't walking faster, but they're moving faster. Mm, that's so good. And that's what your life becomes. It, it just you look around. I mean, I look around, and the father has done crazy stuff for me, just crazy favor in ways, crazy coincidence. I was, I was at a a fish fry for some charity. And we sat at a table with a pastor and we got talking and he finally looked at me and said, Andy, this is an amazing coincidence. I said, yeah. And I kind of glanced up and he said, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> We're both kind of spoiled by the father. I said, yes, we are. Um, and, and then all of those things that we call gifts of spirit, but aren't are called manifestations, a clearly visible work of the spirit. All of those are ours to use when faith meets need. Mm, so, good. so it's not like, do I have a gift of tongues or not? No. Look, tongues isn't even a spiritual thing. Uh, human beings have the capacity to speak in tongues. Scientists, uh, a, a professor in the class, let's say, and it's all quoted in the book with references, uh, explained to his class, non-Christian class, uh, about tongues, 35% spoke in tongues right away. When he coached them about how to get past their prefrontal cortex right here and bypass it, 75% spoken tongues. When you do a brain scan of people speaking in tongues, um, when they're praising, their speech center is, is lit up. When they shift to tongues, it goes dark. Wow. But it is the same brain scan that jazz musicians have when they're just jamming. In other words, it's a human capability to flow without thinking mm. musically and tongues takes advantage of that. And, and tongues has, and I, I show in the book why tongues is so important, why it happened first, why it and prophecy are the most popular of the, the manifestations, right. how they, how they teach you how to let that flow out of your belly. It will flow rivers of living water. Yeah. Tongues and prophecy teach you how to honor that flow. Because it bypasses your mind. I, it I mean, is. It, yes. you know, tongues absolutely does. Because we as Christians, you know, we're made up of three parts. I'm going to stop here. You, you unplug me and then I go. But, <laughs> but, but we're made up. We're made up of spirit, soul, and body. We're three part creatures, and our spirit is made up of intuition and uh, connection with God and conscience. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And our body is made up of feelings and drives and senses. That, that's what it's, th those are the voices. And so God knows that he has to send 
revelation into our soul for us to understand it, right? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Yeah. We might get a feeling, but then we begin to think about it. Yep. <clears throat> yes. And we as Christians tend to be, so Paul talks about three kinds of people, sarkikos people who love the body, love the flesh, love sex and gluttony and blah, 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 sarkikos people, psychikos people who love the mind, love intelligence, love to debate, uh, love to get A's in school, and pneumaticos people who love God and listening to God and obeying God. And Paul says, you rightly shun sarkikos people, but you think that pneumaticos people are silly. You don't understand them. Yet the pneumaticos person rightly assigns value to everything, mm -hmm. yet no one rightly assigns value to them. And what this book tries to help us do is to understand where the psychicos part is in me, which is important. But the, the, the spirit is in charge. The soul is the servant of the, of the spirit. And the body is the slave. Paul said, I buffet my body and make it my slave. The body is the slave. The servant is the steward of the revelation of the spirit. But, the, but the, the soul has to be brought under the spirit and you become, uh, and so Paul talks about three kinds of man, sarkikos man, a flesh man, psychikos man, psychological man, and pneumaticos man, which is the same word that Paul uses concerning pneumaticos, I don't want you to be ignorant in 1 Corinthians 12, which kicks off the book. And he says, look, there's pneumaticos people. And the book is, this is how you become a pneumaticos person who can deal with your soul. And these are the four, this is the four part spiritual structure that Paul lays out. And when you learn to operate in that structure and understand it, you become a pneumaticos person. Wow. You can't help it. So it's, it, you 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 do some simple things and you find yourself listening in the spirit, honoring the flow of the spirit. You find things happening. You you begin to understand your gifting, your your true spiritual gifting. And <clears throat> Paul uses a weird word when he says there's a it's translated variety of gifts. There's a variety, variety, variety in First Corinthians twelve. That word is diuresis, and it's invented by Plato. And basically, Paul is saying there is a Platonic analysis you can do of, of each of these four topics. That word is used four times there by Paul, and it's only used one other time in all of Scripture. And it's the word that's used when the father of the prodigal son and the older brother divides up his estate. Right. And it's that he did a diuresis of his estate, which means he took every single thing he owned looked at it and said, what should I do with this? And Paul said, I've done a diuresis analysis of charisma gifts, which means there, the, the seven gifts in Romans 12 cover every single thing, every single gifting. Mm. But they're like the Peter calls them the primary colors of God. And so if you think of a colored circle and the back of the book has one, I, I I guess I can show it to you a little bit. Oh, you can yes. see that colored circle there? Yes. Okay, here I'll... <laughs> so it's backwards, but you can see that circle there. And those are the seven giftings. And so 
there's three that are serving. Uh, so serving one who shows mercy and one who gives. And there are three that are speaking, teaching, prophecy, and exhortation, and then a leader. And I've arranged this circle, and this is like 200 people have had input on this, but I've arranged this circle, and there really aren't any lines dividing it, just mm. like there aren't lines dividing a rainbow. Right. They just, they just flow into one another. And it became very, very clear to me years ago that everyone has an arc in that circle, and that's where you live. It's your home base. And so you're primarily either speaking or serving, and then you have an arc there. Now you can visit anywhere, and the more mature you get, the easier it is to visit anywhere in the circle and, and do something, but you only live one place. That You literally answered the question that I was about to ask. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. I was gonna ask like, can you have more than one? But that makes sense, you, you live one place. Now let me ask you this. Is that what leads you, that one place that you tend to live in? Like, so if I'm getting ready to take a leap, I'm going to be led by this this gift of teaching or this gift of prophecy or how yes. does that work? That's a great question. So uh, God doesn't gift you and then not use your gifts. And, and if the leap I'm taking is a leap into the purposes of God. Now, if I'm taking a leap into something else. Right. But if the leap is into the purposes of God for me and I trust him that the other things in my life are going to be amazing if he manages them more than I do, you know, that my everything will be. And so <clears throat> so then the, the, the leap is it really it's a series of leaps. It, it's, you know, every time God called if you look in the Old Testament, every calling of every single person in the Old Testament and us, when Jesus calls us, he says one thing. He says, I will be with you. He said that to Moses. Moses this, Moses, and Moses just kept at, and he finally said, Moses, I'm going to be there with you, okay? I can answer questions later. <laughs> you know, right. you, you don't need to own up that, that much. I will be with you. And, and Jesus says that, I mean, and you see every single leader, Jeremiah, every single leader, David, I will be with you. I'll be with you. Yeah. And then Jesus, the last thing he says is, and behold, I will be with you even unto the end of the age. When you stand before kings and princes, don't prepare beforehand what you will say because it'll be good, but it won't be glorious. But if you prepare your heart and learn how to connect with me, the author and perfecter of your faith, learn how to connect with me. And the book talks about how do we do that? Learn how to connect with me. Then in every situation, you're not, you're not going God oh God, you're just, you've got one ear listening to me. And I will, it, it, it'll come up as a thought, as a picture, as a memory, as a scripture you hadn't thought about in a while. You'll start talking and you'll start taking notes on yourself because it's like, I've never said this before. Right. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. And you realize then that you're a, you're a pneumatic, you're a spiritual person. And, and that doesn't mean holy. It doesn't mean showy. In fact, spiritual leaders in Jesus' kingdom wash feet. They don't, they don't right. name ministries after themselves. They don't, they're not prophet so-and-so. Let someone else call you a prophet, not yeah. your own mouth. Yeah. Yep. You just do what you're called to do, and oh. then you'll be safe. 
Oh, and so this book talks a lot about this. I already know that this is going to be such a blessing to so many people because even as you're talking, I'm like, this is blessing me. So, (laughs) good. You know, and I can see how so many people can be um, just feel kind of lost because. They are, they're yeah. not aware of what that gifting is. So when that gifting is leading them to take a leap, they just, sometimes we think this is just a natural part of who I am. Oh, I just do this. And we minimize it because we've always been a teacher. Or we've sure. always been an encourager. And we don't realize that that is what can lead us. And that's what God will use to move us in his will yeah. um, because we minimize it ourselves. <clears throat> Have you found that to be the case? Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's a leap in the sense of you don't exactly know what's going to happen, but and so it's a it's a it's a step of faith or a leap of faith. It depends on how far you go, I guess. Right. But <laughs> but you know who's going to be with you. Yeah. And so the the leaps become um, they become exciting more than they become threatening and fearful. Because God is the guarantor. Now, you might be martyred, but you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and they were the happiest people in the last minutes of their life on earth. Yeah. Many of them said, I see Jesus. I said, you know, like Stephen, he's standing up, you know, and you just go, we're all going to die sometime. Martyrs get a big reward. I, You know, maybe I should go shopping around for martyrdom, you know, but not really. But, right. you know, you just kind of you get that yeah. place. But um so, so even in the even in the things that Satan tries to take you out with, if you remember that no temptation, test or trial, it's perasmus one word in First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful. Yeah. Father is your daddy is faithful, yeah. and he won't let you be tempted or tested beyond your ability. But with the temptation, will supply the means of escape that you can endure it. So when you're enduring something, if your attitude is, my father allowed this, so it's good for me. It's like a football coach saying, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna run sprints and you're enduring that, but you know the coach is right and, and you're gonna end up stronger. You're gonna end up, um, the victory that you win in this temptation where, where Satan is stuck because for God's kids, he can only do what God allows him to do. Yep. End of discussion. Now, we can fail. Um, and that doesn't mean we get cut from the team. It means we go around again. That's good. So, yeah. That's good. My, my sin, sinlessness or sinfulness is not a passport or non-passport to heaven. That has already been dealt with. Jesus bore our sins and our sorrows because we couldn't. Mm-hmm. So good. So, and you know, so Paul can say, should I keep sinning that grace might increase? You might think so, but no, I'm not saying that. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Right. We still want to honor God. We still want to recognize what he did at the cross. So it should draw us away from yeah. sin and not towards it. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned... Um, and I don't know how much more time we have, but I, I mentioned that you can find your spiritual gift with three questions. 
And let me give you those. Yes, please. Just because I, I think it'll be fun. So um, the first question is, um, and they're all story questions. Okay. You love stories. The first, so the first question is, somebody comes to you and says, hey, um, the city council has someone come speak to them on Friday nights about a topic that, that they think the council might be interested in. And um, it's Wednesday, and I'm so sorry, uh, and it's coming up this Friday, but the person, the speaker canceled, would you like to speak? Would, would you, would it be, can I, can I tell them you're going to come and give a 20, 30 minute talk on something? I'd say yes. So, yeah, yeah. So you'd say yes. Now, if, if you're nervous, but a little excited, the butterflies are starting, but you go, yeah, I, I could do that. I could do that. That means your primary gifting is in the speaking area someplace. Mm-hmm. But if you go, not only no, but H no, you know, this is not going to happen. Uh, and, and you're not just being humble. You you know, and your friends go, no, that, that wouldn't be you. You know, you, you're not. You go, you know, I'm good at a lot of things, but public speaking, no. I would right. be boring. And then then you can say my gifting is primary in the serving area. So so now now you there's only two areas. So now now you mm-hmm. you have a sense of, OK, so then if it's speaking, say, if I was asked to give a sermon, I get one chance to preach at church. Would the sermon be uh, we do so many amazing things? Uh, this is a this is a great church. Um, and there's one area I've been watching and a little bit concerned about. And I think just with some minor changes, we can solve this. And I want to just kind of talk about that so that we can all be thinking about it together. If it was that kind of a sermon that was sort of like a little corrective, then your motivation is is as a prophet, because a prophet is all about um, right and wrong. Wow. So they can they can see the spot on the on the bride's dress from, you know, the back of the church. You know, it's just like uh, they just that's they're gifted that way. Right and wrong. If if you go your sermon is, man, I found this amazing pattern that runs from Eve's temptation to Christ's temptation to John talking about the three kinds of, of temptation. And 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 then Jesus tells us how to I got I got to tell you this. This is crazy good. Then you're a teacher. Because the teacher is all about true and false. They get bothered by false teaching and they love truth, pure truth of God. They just they they just smile when they hear it, when they read it, and they can they can spot true and false. Right. If if, on the other hand, your sermon was about <clears throat> there's some people in this church that we never see that. But they make if you look around, they make everything happen, but they do it behind the scenes. And they don't know I'm doing this this morning because it would embarrass them and they would have stayed home today. But I have scouts who've nabbed each one of them and we're going to bring them up here one at a time. And and I've got someone assigned to brag about them. And I just want them to cheer for them and pray for them because they never get to see it. See, if, if the sermon was something like that, then you would be an exhorter, an encourager, right? Your primary motivation is always to encourage people. Now, mm-hmm. you're not just stuck in one of those because you can be like, for me, I'm probably two thirds exhorter, but my art goes over into the teaching side. Right. On the other side of exhorter is one who shows mercy. You're into the, the serving. And if I were over there, I would speak much more tenderly and much more to people's hearts, but it would still be exhorting. 
but but the mercy would would spill in, and that would be really important to me. So let's look at the other the, the three non-speaking gifts. Um, let's say you're part of a wait staff of a big table, and uh, it's a frou-frou restaurant, and they've all ordered drinks, and the drinks are late, and the table is looking at you saying, "Where are the drinks?" You know, blah blah blah, and you go, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." And and then finally, a young waiter comes out, and he's got a tray, and he's got a tray full of drinks, carrying these these frou-frou looking drinks with straws and umbrellas, you know, and coming down there and he misses a step, slips, the tray tilts, all the drinks go crash, splatter, broken glass, loud crashing noise. The restaurant hushes, the table looks at their drinks on the floor and you're standing there. Okay. Three questions. What would you do? Would you A, go straight to the person. That's, that's the most important thing. Anybody could have done this. Don't worry. Blah, blah, blah. B, straight to the mess. It's a mess. There's, there's fluid going under their feet. There's broken glass. People are going to slip on this. We got to get this fixed right away. We got to get this cleaned up. That'd be B. Or C, would you go, they paid for drinks. They've been waiting 20 minutes for drinks. I'm going to go to the table. I'm going to tell them I'm comping these drinks and your drinks for the rest of the night even if I have to pay for it out of my tips. I won't say that to them, of course, because I'm a good guy. And I'm going to go back to the kitchen and get their drinks for free because they paid for drinks and we need to give them drinks. So when you look at that, if speaking isn't your gifting, then which of the three would you go, yeah, I would do that or I would do that? Me? So, yeah, yeah so pretend, so pretend I, speaking isn't your gifting. I would probably do the first thing you said. I would go, go to, to the, the person. person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's more of like yeah. I'm. I would be more concerned about how they felt and how they how they felt about what just happened and helping them clean yeah. up. But I would want to check in on them. <laughs> yeah, and, and someone who's who they're speaking is exhorting people, encouraging people would do that. I, I would do that too. I'd okay. go straight to the person probably yeah. as well. Um, but but you know, so so if if. Uh, you know, so you have mercy would go straight to the person, the one who shows mercy, the one who is a giver would go straight to the kitchen and the one who serves would go straight to the mess. Mm. And if you go, well, I could do all those things, but really somebody's got to organize this, then you'd be a leader. Mm. So leading would be your gifting. And it's been amazing. I've tried this out with 200 people at least now. And um, it's been so, I'll just tell you about one of them because it's been so fun. I spoke to about 70 nursing students mostly nursing students. And, and when I was all done and I had posters up around the room and the book has the posters in the back so you can figure out your, your gifting. It's got all kinds of information. I figured it out already. It. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I just saw your smile and I figured you out. But anyway, um, and so um, uh, when it was all over, uh, there's this girl leaning against the wall just crying her eyes out. Just, and I was like, oh, dad, you broke somebody what did you do? And so I walked back there and a girl had her arm around her. And I said, are you okay? What, what happened? She goes, oh, no, no, these are happy tears. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use you in my book. What? <laughs> Tell me about it. And she said, I'm a nursing student, but I hate nursing. And I was like, what? And she goes, bedpans and, and I, I, I have horrible bedside. Man, I, I just, I don't like nursing, but I'm a nursing student. And I next week was going to drop out of college until I figured out what I wanted to do because I knew I didn't want to be a nurse. 
And when you were talking about the one who shows mercy and the one who serves, all the nurses were looking at each other, hugging each other, saying, that's me. Oh, my gosh, you know, and, and whatever. And I was like, that's not me. But when you talked about leadership, then and then the girl with her arm around her said, I hit her on the shoulder and said, that is you. <laughs> and, and she said, it was me. Everything you said, I said, that's my motivation. That's how I look at things. That's what would be important to me. And she goes, I want to be a nurse to lead nurses. I never knew that. But this understanding of spiritual gifts steered my profession, steered my career in the right direction. Thank you. Wow. And I thought, if that book can do that to person after person, yeah. then it's a then it's going to be great. It's going to do just what I need it to do. And I, I'll be very proud of it and happy for it. Yes. Oh, wow, Andy. This has been, this is what's helpful for me. Okay. <laughs> so I know that, <laughs> the, you know, the listeners that are asking themselves the same questions um, yeah. will be blessed by the book, blessed by just everything that you shared in there. So let's make sure, number one, we know where they can find you, where they can grab the book at, and what is your next leap that you're going to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the book is available on Amazon and it's called the Spiritual Gifts Blueprint. It actually is available for shipping in about eight days on there. There's actually a workbook with it, a separate book that you can buy. That is that is the Spiritual Gifts Blueprint workbook. Okay. And, and so you can uh, take a look at the workbook, but it's designed for Bible studies, large Bible studies or, or small groups. Uh, it, it asks not not simpleton questions. It asks questions that make you think through the material in the book a little bit more. Mm. Um, you know me, I'm that guy. So yeah, yeah I it's, love it. it's that. <laughs> and um, uh, I've tried it out with people and, and they, they really uh, thought it was good. They thought it, it was, and I've taught this twice in Sunday school now in the past six or seven years. So I've been able to work through the kinks in it. Good. Uh, and do you think it's well. good for kids? Um. I think that you can make it for kids, but I think starting with teenagers, yeah, yeah, starting with kind of where they just start thinking about who am I, Mm -hmm. not in a way of who are my friends, but who am I, you know. But you can you can teach spiritual gifts to to. So there was uh, a guy who did teach this spiritual gifting uh, to like fifth graders. Mm. Another guy did a summer camp uh, with, uh, with it uh, and taught the, the high school kids. Okay. Um, so I'm teaching a conference in Connecticut to I think five or six churches in October uh, okay. on this. And so, so you can teach it in a, in a day. I mean, you don't have to go through all the details. You can just kind of, uh, I like to do the the spiritual gifts in detail because if you get that and then connecting how you connect with Jesus right. and with the Father, there's a couple of really fun exercises, kind of close your eyes exercises about, uh, like one of them is I say, okay, close your eyes. And then when I say the phrase God, the Father or Father God, what immediate picture do you have? Mm. And... Um, in our inner healing thing, we do this a lot and, and there's all kinds of pictures and not very many of them are who Jesus says the father is. Mm. 
you know, the kindness of the Father. You, you know, it says, come boldly into the throne room and find grace and help in time of need. Can you see yourself doing that with God the Father, not knocking? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. <laughs> okay. And so part of the book, we go, where did you get that picture? And usually earthly dad or some earthly male person, uh, when you're young, you you make up what's true out of the few things you know. Yeah. And, and if your father was, there's seven or eight kinds of dads that aren't quite there. And if your father was one of those, then you project that on Father God. You have no other way mm. of understanding Father God except through what's been imprinted in you. And I would think that that is probably Satan's hugest approach to disempower our connection with the father. Yes. Yes. Because it's, you know, if he's, if he's kind of an angry guy sitting on a throne, busy with China and doesn't have time for you, then yep. Right. Right. That's who he's going to be. Then that's where we place him at in in our life. It's like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to interrupt you. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to, create any um, friction or get you upset or anything. And we yeah. go in so nervously. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas um, uh, over the years now, I, it, it's like, I probably pray 60 times a day, just uh, Abba or dad, you know, or father, something will happen. I'll just look and I'll just go, thank you. That was so fun. Mm-hmm. And you can just, it's like the father just look, I'm a good dad. And when I'm out with my grandkids and my kids and I surprise them with ice cream, I love it. Yeah. I, I don't even have to get ice cream, although I normally do. <laughs> I love it. Um, just watching them enjoy something that I've done for them. Yeah. And you think the father isn't even more like that? Right. right. It's his good pleasure. That word means ecstatic joy to give us the kingdom. Mm. And that means on earth as it is in heaven to, to, to let the kingdom flow through our lives in all these ways. And, and the section on the father shows us, I go into, I think, six key ways that the father does this so that when we understand those, then we can extrapolate to everything else pretty easily. And I use scripture. And- mm, that's going to be so good that because that is so key to understanding everything else and to moving the way he wants us to move into, yeah. you know, leaping the way he wants us to leap. Now, I want so they can get it from Amazon. And let yeah. me ask you, so what is your next leap? What do you feel like is the next thing God is calling you to do? <laughs> um, well, I am nine chapters into a science fiction book. Okay. And uh, I, I love science fiction. And I actually had a dream many years ago that gave me the plot, the name of the character, and the title of the book. So I'm not saying it was from God. I'm just saying it was a dream. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I also um, am really stirred up about uh, how to make this very quick. Um, Paul's uh, John says all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life are not from God. When you look at those, they cover the three sin motivations. Every sin is one of those motivations. Mm-hmm. 
lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh is sex and gluttony and all that. Lust of the eyes is I want that yacht. I want that. I want that. I think I'm going to be happy because I get this. The bolster pride of life is I want people to respect me. I want to be the man. I'm going to lie so people think I'm important, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Those are the three. So when you look at Eve, those were the three temptations. It says when she saw that the fruit was good to eat, um, beautiful, and desirable to make one wise, she ate. So Satan uh, made God suspicious in her eyes, tempted her in those three ways, and she ate. When you look at the temptation of Jesus, it's uh, stones into bread, lust of the flesh, all the kingdoms of the world, lust of the eyes, um, throw yourself down and make the Father rescue you, the boastful pride of life. I can jerk the Father around. And Jesus answered him each time with scripture. And he had, what had he been doing to prepare for this, this event? He, he had been in the desert and he was doing three things, praying, fasting, and giving himself to God. Jesus says, when you pray, do this, the Our Father. When you fast, do it like this. When you give to the poor, do it like this. And you realize what he is teaching there is these are the three disciplines that will defeat the three motivations of sin. Wow. And, and when you begin to practice these three, you'll be able to overcome those three motivations. Mm-hmm. So... So look at yourself. So for me, um, uh, the, the, the bolster pride of life it, it sounds good. <laughs> had been had been the big one. The, the, a crazier thing about it is this, and that is dopamine is the lust of the flesh. You get a dopamine reaction mm. when you when you do the lust of the flesh. You get a serotonin reaction when you do the lust of the eyes. You buy that yacht, and and you're just you're just happy. Serotonin is a clam. And then it wears off and you got to buy something else, mm-hmm. right? Oxytocin is the drug that the bolster product of life deals with. It's I'm the man, I belong, I'm the thing. And when I pray, when I give, and when I fast, I deal with those three chemicals. Wow. I mean, it's, you go, <laughs> Andy, okay. You <laughs> so We want so, more of that too. We <laughs> You got to get some freedom and now we're dealing with, wow. That just goes so, to show so, how, how intentional God was with creating us. Like, yes. And, and how the enemies, like what he did, um, impacted and shifted things so much, but yeah, he had, God already had a, a response to that. Yes. Yeah, a discipline that Jesus Jesus yeah. demonstrated the discipline. Why did he have to go into the desert and do all these things? He demonstrated to us mm. exactly how it would happen and how you overcome it. Wow. And you go, wow. Okay. So I probably have to write that some yeah. somehow or another. Can you please? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so I, I'll probably. Well, probably Andy, this that. has been so good. And, Thank um, you. You know, I feel like this is going to be a two-parter because I, I want people to be able to, to digest and really listen to everything um, that you shared. Yeah. So much wisdom, so much just, you know, revelation that you shared in this. And I don't want anyone to miss anything. So 
um, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for just sharing everything you have. Well, I want to make I, sure everyone can. I appreciate it so much. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. Oh, really? Oh, what an honor. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm honored too. It's like, okay, podcast. wonder how you do that. So, um, <laughs> well, so hopefully you. this was a good experience for you. Well, you've made it, you made it very easy. And if I knew how to alert other podcasters, I would, I, I'm just so ignorant concerning book marketing. You did a, you did a great job and you, you made it, you made me want to make sure I get that book. So you did a great job well, of telling us enough about the book that makes <laughs> us want to go grab it to figure out who we are and where we are. Now. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining today's episode. I hope you were inspired by what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next leap. Before you leave, take a moment and think of your community. Who do you know that could benefit from the wisdom shared in this podcast? Now take it one step further and encourage them through text, DM, or a simple conversation by sharing this episode. Let's make sure others know they're not alone as they obey God and choose